there is a universe beyond which little is known. It's been obscured through space and time. Ray travels the comics cosmos in a quest to uncover that dimension where limited runs and archival goodness lost to the ages still exists. You have entered Ray's Rarities. Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening to Raise Rarities. Yeah, it's been a while. I know we had the Black Knight earlier, but we are back and better than ever. Oh, and I found a good one for you this time. Oh, my gosh, Ray. What have you brought this time? <laughs> We're reading uh, Philip Drouet's Lone Sloan Delirious. Yeah, and it is. Oh, my word. An absolute feast for the eyes. Now, Ray, how did you find out about Drulet? So it took me a minute to remember where I got to this, but uh, he was mentioned in the forward to Elric the Ruby Throne as one of the artists that had worked on Elric prior to um, prior to that iteration. Oh, there we go. So there you go, kids. A connection within the graphic novel of the month when we reviewed Michael Moorcock's Elric the Ruby Throne. And we also reviewed Stormbringer that was contained that reference in the forward, I believe. Yeah. So the premise behind this story, we have a deserted world, Lyrius, and it was, as they say, nothing but a stain on the universe until it was converted into the debauched planet of a hundred thousand pleasures by the evil Supreme Overlord, Imperator of all galaxies. With a populace placated, he can tax them to the hilt and fund his campaign of terror. His opposition comes in the form of the Red Clergy, who attempt to coerce Sloane, the masterless intergalactic vagabond, into doing their bidding. Yet things are not always as they seem, and the piety of the clergy means nothing in a world of, oh, wow, of chaos, yes. Besides, Sloan always has his own agenda. As you pointed out, this is illustrated by Philippe Trulet and is written by Jacques Loeb. Wow. This is a vision in late 60s, early 70s goodness. Yeah, this is amazing. I mean, this this comic just really hits all my buttons. The 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 breakup of the visual panels, the colors, the amount of detail. You know, tiny little squiggly uh, drawings, just the detail on top of detail, kind of a driving storytelling. It's got a lot going for it. Yeah, it certainly does. And the Lone Sloan character actually first appeared in Droulet's own debut in Mystere des Ambies, published in 1966. Other stories were published in the Franco-Belgian comics magazine Pilot from February 1970 to April 1971, and the series was subsequently revamped for Metal Herlant Magazine, which is basically heavy metal, I believe, the version of heavy metal that was founded over in France and then, you know, anglicized for English-speaking and writing world. Premise, again, set 800 years after a catastrophic event called The Great Fear. So this really has an epic tone to it. It's been said that this series 
has a very similar vibe. Silver Surfer and Galactus or Ulysses and the Greek gods. It's compelled to wander in a universe that's alien to them. And you kind of get that feel with respect to Lone Sloan as a character. Yeah. Yeah. And it has a, it has a kind of continental feel to it too. I mean, it reminds me of 2000 AD comics. It reminds me of, there's a, there's a grown up nature about it that um, is mature without being self-consciously mature. It's not like the American market where artists were trying to move the boundaries, you know, fighting their way out of this long time generation of the comics code and, just uh, you know what parents didn't want their kids to open and <laughs> this uh, these comics didn't they're not in any way self-conscious about being mature they just uh, lay it out there yeah i agree it, it there is not anything restricting this one it has the feel of the free 60s early 70s to it where basically anything goes where psychedelic art was blending with the classics the rich rich textures and styles and colors it's oh my gosh lush absolutely lush in a really trippy way and when i was first reading this i i was immediately drawn into similarity now mind you not necessarily in look and feel but in story context to another french comic known as Valerian and Loreline, which was the then converted into a film by Luc Besson a couple years back. And of course, Besson being highly influenced by that comic and having done The Fifth Element, I saw so many similarities between Lone Sloan and that Valerian and Loreline series in not only subject matter and theme, but just general impressions of this overbuilt city world, these dynamic characters of all sorts of different alien races co-mingling together, a, an authority figure overruling it, and you're there rooting for the roguish figure who is mixing things up and going on adventures. Now, were you shocked by the years that this thing was drawn? I was, and I wasn't. And, and, and here's, here's where I'm going to go with. Also, when I first saw this, some of the art stylistically reminded me of work that Jim Steranko had done when he was heading up the agents of shield series run for Marvel which would have been in the mid to late 60s and into the early 70s. So from that standpoint, I'm going, oh, okay. I, I'm beginning to see a camp, an artistic style camp that this potentially had come from. But I wasn't definitive with respect to the dates and forced myself to go look it up to see when this thing was pegged. I know you were a bit surprised, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, Well, I, I had the right vibe, but I actually thought it had been drawn later with that uh, vibe in mind just because it's still so fresh but what what was the year on this one is it 73 is it that old yeah 73 as a combined tome because the actual stories took place in issues that ranged from 1970 71 and 72 and then it was put together as a single volume there for a publishing in 73. Yeah. So this is before Star Wars. This is before, I'll I tell you, there's a couple, it, you, it's impossible not to look at this and find all kind of visual things that have been inspired by it or that it reminds you of. 
Um, so a couple that come off the top of my head was uh, Ralph Bakshi's Wizards, right? Um, you mentioned heavy metal. I mentioned 2000 AD. The whole Warhammer uh, art. So if you're into Warhammer miniatures or whatever, there's a lot that is taken from this comic. Uh, and there's some actual uh, very specific things taken from this comic. Um, lo- it reminds me of Logan's Run a little bit uh, in, th- in theme, just because it's on a pleasure planet and I think is part of it. But uh and, and, and honestly, there's a fine art connotation that I drew out of it, which is some of these, uh, the way that these pages are laid out, some of them have a very symmetrical, almost kaleidoscopic feel to them. And it reminds me of a New York artist, uh, Joseph Stella. His most famous piece, I think, is, is uh, kind of a stained glass looking painting of the Brooklyn Bridge. And it, uh, these, man, some of these pages are just mind-bogglingly good, right? <laughs> they are. And matter of fact, there's one page where you as a reader are forced to spin the comic around in a clockwise direction. Or no, I actually, is clockwise or counterclockwise? Either way, it's either counterclockwise or clockwise direction to see what's happening. And it's actually depicting people descending downstairs. I'm like, holy mackerel, this is clever. Well, they're, so, so they're in House Escher which is, and of course, that's a reference to M.C. Escher. Uh, and, and the page right before the one you talk about where you have to spin it has uh, a reference to that uh, Escher drawing where the stairs go in all different directions. So that's, that's what he's doing there. There's just, a lot of, there's just a lot going on. It's so awesome. There is a lot going on. And Ray, I just discovered here that we have a kin to the one of the influences that I just mentioned, and that is the Pilote, that French comic magazine, it debuted both the Valerian and Lone Sloan comics right around the same time. So there was something brewing there. Right. Did Mobius also appear in that comic? Yes. Okay, that makes sense too, yeah. So this is an artistic community. They're all feeding off of each other and doing cool stuff together. Yeah, for sure, because right near the major were René Gassini, Jean-Michel Chalier, Greg, Pierre, Christine, Jacques Loeb, and then, of course, artists being Gigi, Morris, Albert, Udenzio, Mobius, Gerard, Jean-Claude, Mienzeris, Philippe Droulet, Jacques Tardy. I mean, all of these names, and they are an entire community at this time with this magazine. So what do you think? I mean, the visuals, we could go on forever. I think the visuals are just incredible. They are a tour de force. Um, I would recommend this to anybody who is an artist uh, who just wants to see something visually sumptuous that you can sink into and is just outright cool. I mean, it's hard to not make noises looking at the thing, like, you know, pew pew noises and stuff. <laughs> but, but having, so like taking that aside for a moment, uh, story wise, what do you think? You know, let me, I don't want to steal your thunder. I want you to give me the quote that you provided when you did a quick encapsulation over on Viridian Scroll. You said, quote unquote, this feels like somebody's. I don't, I don't remember what I said. RPG session. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Right. Okay. Yeah. So for me, there's a there's a thing that happens with this story where um, it starts off. I don't want to say slow. The thing is never slow, but you start off with puzzle pieces that aren't really connected. Um, and you're kind of just tagging along and your mind is somewhat distracted by all the visuals. Anyway, it's like walking into a, 
uh, a massive candy store and trying to keep your focus or, you know, um, and so you're, you know, you're kind of drifting along, but as you know, the story takes all these twists and turns that almost seem random, uh, but they build into a coherent, uh, a coherent storyline by the end. And it feels like it has developed its own momentum, but it feels like the story came from inside the comic as opposed to from outside. It was, it wasn't something that was scripted. It was something that was sort of rolled up at the table. Yeah, I had to read this book twice for exactly those reasons that you just described. And I willingly did, meaning I intuitively knew I was missing stuff through the first read and wanted to go back and capture it because there's so much going on in each page. And what's interesting is this is not your typical panel layout, folks. These are murals with descriptive text and so many different action scenes going on in these mural-style pages. It's it's the best way that I can describe it, which is far from the elegance that, Ray, you normally can provide with your arts background. I mean, how would you best describe the pages here as far as layout and feel? What What is Drew Lay doing there? Wow. Um, there's a lot going on here. So first of all, let me say that when, you, when you're absorbing one of these pages, uh, I guess we're used to in comics kind of reading from the top left to the bottom right with different cues, right? Like there, there are definitely artists that break that up for you that says, okay, now I want you to read down the left-hand first and then uh, and they could do that with graphic design right uh can teach you where to to where to look this one is definitely doing that but it's on i mean it takes it to 11 um and and the whole thing kind of i I remember back when i was in art school i took a photography class and it was the first time i'd ever developed my own pictures and i don't think people have this experience very often now but the closest thing that most people come to is if you've ever had one of those polaroids uh, where you print out a, a picture and it starts out white and you have to kind of wave it in the air and the and the picture develops. Um, and I feel like that when I'm looking at these these pages, I feel like I'm getting this kind of immediate impression, surface level detail, uh, broad strokes of color, um, kind of a fragmentation of the page, you know, in some fashion. Usually, usually symmetrical, but not always. Um, there's kind of a, a funky symmetry going on in each of these pages. But uh, then I just, you, you could spend almost as much time as you want on each page, kind of getting, letting your eyes sort of relax deeper and deeper, almost like an optical illusion puzzle. I'm sitting here looking at it as I'm talking to you, and there's all kinds of details that I'm noticing, again, that are, are, are for the first time, having looked at it, I don't know, this is probably the fifth time I've looked at this comic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a figure, and I happen to focus in on the knuckles of his gauntlet, and on each knuckle... There's a little face embossed in the in the knuckles, and it's not at all relevant to the story. It's just a level of detail that's sitting in there, waiting for you to discover it, right? Um, and I say it's not relevant to the story, but it all kind of adds up into it, it all adds up, right? It all adds up into kind of a general impression that is part of the story. It's it's a story that exists on multiple levels. So that sounds like I'm smoking a doobie while I talk about it, but honestly, it's really cool. <laughs> no, you're not because. What is fascinating about this graphic novel in in, in Delirious is it truly 
it is a highly detailed series of paintings and scenes. And as I said, again, uh, uh, murals that, yeah, you've got prose that is propelling this storyline through. And you nailed it right on the head there. It does feel like someone's RPG session. I mean, this could have been a traveler off-world adventure. Okay, when I'm looking at this, this is this is very cool along those lines. Or Metamorphosis Alpha. I mean, it's it's really cool. Yeah, it's it, it's immersive, and it's uh it's immersive, and it's the kind of story that you can't see coming. Like you don't really know where it's going to go uh, from page to page, and and that can almost feel random. Until it isn't, <laughs> and then you think, like, oh, this was all along building to this moment. It feels, you know, it may, and for all I know, maybe it was that way when he drew it. Maybe he didn't know from panel to panel what was going to happen, but by the end, it all makes sense together. It, it does, and that's why it is worth your time as a reader to, after you have read the narrative on the page, spend five minutes, maybe 10, depending on the intricate detail that you're taking in of that mural or that painting on that page. And look at all the little different story elements that are taking place there, whether it is conversations that you don't have a narrative on, but you can characters talking back and forth, or where I started to get tippers on, oh, okay, I can see where this is going. There's the emotional reaction of the chorus, what would be traditionally in a Greek tragedy, you know, cueing you in as to, oh, here's what's coming on next. Uh, I started to see that in some of the faces of the folks in the streets when you're on Delirious, or the reaction of some of the heavies or the police force there on Delirious, or and I know they're mainly cloaked in in red in their vestments, but even some of the reactions of that clergy sect in in the story too go, wow, okay, this is this is pretty wild. But you know, when you get to the actual character itself in Lone Sloan, that is really your Han Solo eye, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. He's definitely the rogue that is uh, hard to access at first, right? He, um, yeah, he's not. He's not got laid beneath his character at first, so you don't get to know him after until until you do, until you sort of like judge him by his actions, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And there's actually I've noticed in many foreign comics less of a hang up in the portrayal of nudity amongst characters. I mean, here for crying out loud, you have a scene where you know, Lone Sloan is breaking out of his, you know, containment area with his other fellow buddy there and they're stark naked, just, you know, whoop, taken off. There they go. No problem. And the funny thing is though, like I said, it's a, it's an unconscious uh, maturity for, for something that's a pleasure planet. I never really felt like it was just, you know, gratuitously you know trying to push my buttons or anything it's just you know just lots of boobs and dongers that's just what it is and uh <laughs> yeah no for sure and, 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 yeah and the and the only time where you start to get into the you know more sexualized version of you know portrayal of things is when they're in that one section of town which is more 
like a red light district pleasure club where they are taking cover. But as part of their cover, they're having to enter the quote unquote pleasure providers that are there. And, you know, so fine. That's part of that section of that town. But that, again, is only detailed in maybe a third of the page. And then you're quickly moving on to the, you know, fleshed out and on the run again. Let me tell you, if I could draw any one of these pages, I would blow it up into like a wall sized mirror. I'm just like, <laughs> these things amaze me. I'm so jealous of the, of the drawing skills and just the kind of cut sense of color and layout and everything that's going I, I it's, it's hard it's hard to talk while i'm looking at it almost yeah <laughs> so cool i feel like there's uh guys on saturday saturday night live when they do the movie reviews and then you know when chris mcfarland would be like uh or chris farley when he would say wasn't it cool when that happened and the, <laughs> the guy would say yeah and he goes yeah and it was cool when this happened too yeah yeah it was, it was cool <laughs> uh, oh totally totally i, I again on some of these pages, I would just be staring at it for 10 minutes or so going, wow, look at what's all going on here. This is amazing that someone cared enough in Droulet. Well, I think just enjoying themselves. Like, I, I think the artist really just is having a good time drawing on some of these. Like, spent way more time on some of these panels than he would have needed to to tell the story. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And on those more detailed pages... I have to say, I didn't find any of it gratuitous, meaning it all served to further the story along or support the narrative, even if the narrative, again, uh, appeared in prose to be like somebody's recap from their gaming session. Yeah, and you mentioned before that you have a hard time like getting these images out of your head. Like they really seep in, they kind of burn on your retina in a way that like, yeah, it's just, it's so cool. They do. And you know, a, a favorite of mine is that entire page of the staircase, just from, from the creatures in there to the people de descending down to the dialogue happening. I could just stare at that thing. It, it, and for hours and still find something new that I hadn't seen before. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, you know, I, I started to make a point earlier, though, about the graphic nature of this, that I um, that even though there is lots of nudity in it, I don't know that I would be all that hesitant about keeping it away from, you know, kids of... I, I mean, I don't think I'd be throwing it at kids that are 13 or something like that, but at the same time, if they picked it up, I don't know that I would slap it out of their hands. Right, because even when we do have an actual depiction of of an act, it is kind of shaded. You almost see lines uh, squiggling. It, it, it's not explicit. It's implied. There is a a bit of yeah, but it's a bunch of class behind it more than anything else. Like I said, there's nothing gratuitous at all in this book. Let me put it this way. It's never the focus of the image in the same way that uh, American comics make, um, and let's just not, no two bones about it. I mean, boobs, right? In, in American comics, the female breasts are hyperinflated and glossy. They look like oiled balloons. And they're, um, they're so hypersexualized that I would have a hard time uh, as a self-respecting adult walking down the street with one of those in my hand right i would feel puerile or like i just like it's just a little i mean 
it's kind of gross sometimes. And this this never made me feel that way. I feel like I'd show this to anybody. I'm like, man, check this out. <laughs> this is so cool. And they'd be like, oh man, is that nude? Yeah, they're, you know, wouldn't, bo- wouldn't bother me at all. I wouldn't feel self-conscious about having this in my hand. Yeah, I agree. I agree because it is so tastefully done and fits the story, fits the narrative, fits this world. And is never gratuitous. I just, yeah, just not even self-conscious about it. It just is like, okay, it's a pleasure planet. There's, there's some new people here. So what? Or he's, or he's in a cell. They stripped him because he's dangerous. Um, right. It's just, it's not like they're trying to make you, it's not like they're trying to titillate with these images. They just are what they are. Yeah. Well, this was an excellent find. I, I just really, you know, to me, it was a random thing. I looked it up cause I just, and I, then I saw the covers and I was like, Oh, those are cool covers bought one on a whim and I cracked it open and my mind exploded. <laughs> so I can't wait to read the next one. Oh yeah. No, I, I will continue along in this too, because hey, this is eye candy. It is amazing. Eye candy. And really it, the, the art overcomes the deficiencies in the narrative. And, and who knows, maybe someone was something was quote unquote lost in translation. Because again, this originally appeared in French, but at the same time, I don't think so. I think ultimately it is a simplistic enough story, but with the lush detail that Drulet provides to this, that yeah, that that's that's your main event. Come into take in Delirious and thoroughly enjoy it. And Ray, what a find! And thank you for bringing that to the community. And again, that's why we have raised rarities because you tend to find these gems that are just hidden away there in the annals of yore and like to dig them up and point folks their way. 